I warned you that the uh, McCarthyism was coming for Bernie. I warned you that the Cold War reenactment was coming for Bernie. We saw a political a Politico article a few weeks ago basically trying to tie Bernie to Russia. Now a full spread in the New York Times. Shocker. Mayor and foreign minister, how Bernie Sanders brought the Cold War to Burlington, Vermont. Referendum, rallies, a trip to Nicaragua, all were part of his effort to infuse left-wing activism into local politics. So, not to lecture you, but let me just explain for a second how corporate media works. The New York Times, you don't even have to read the story, which I've read the story. It doesn't even matter what the story says. The New York Times wrote this story for the headline because they want to scare and give a boogeyman to their mostly establishment older readers. It's, it's the biggest paper in the world, but it is a traditional establishment reader. I don't think the majority of millennials have a New York Times subscription. I'm just guessing. So, and I'm not, you know, no criticism to our viewers because we do have a, a good amount of older progressives, but I don't think the New York Times main wheelhouse is younger progressives or even older progressives, actual progressives, not the faux progressives like, you know, Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, uh, and Chuck Schumer. So the New York Times wrote this story pretty much banking on a, a, a scary McCarthyite headline and a shaggy old picture, well, younger picture of Bernie from like the 1980s. That, that's all this story was because the majority of people do not read a full story. The majority of people do not even read half a story. The majority of people read a headline and maybe the first paragraph or two. Majority of people don't even read any of it. They just see it on Twitter. And this headline is to scare the living bejesus out of the New York Times reader and to tie Bernie to the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, the Cold War, to Burlington, Vermont. I am not going to read the whole thing. I'll read a little bit. I hope you've, I hope you've eaten. So, first paragraph. For Daniel Ortega, the president of Nicaragua, the summer of 1985 was to be a moment of extraordinary triumph. In July, on the sixth anniversary of the Sandinista Revolution, Mr. Ortega would address a crowd of hundreds of thousands with a message of defiance for his political nemesis, Ronald Reagan, and the Contra militias waging war on him with support from Washington. Amid the festivities, Mr. Ortega was also would also meet with the mayor of Burlington, Vermont. Who could that be? Bernie Sanders, then 43, journeyed for 14 hours to reach Nicaragua, switching planes in Boston, Miami, and San Salvador, and made a truncated tour of the violence-stricken country before the grand event in Managua. Aspects of the trip might have unsettled another visitor. A reporter who traveled with Mr. Sanders wrote of strict limits on the taking of photographs at the anniversary celebration, a wire report described a chant rising up, here, there, everywhere, the Yankees will die, the Yankee will die. If Mr. Sanders harbored unease about the Sandinistas, he did not dwell on it. Quote, after many years of economic and political domination, Nicaragua is, is determined not to be a banana republic anymore, and it's free to make its own decisions, Mr. Sanders declared, according to a Nicaraguan newspaper, El Nuevo Diario, quoting him in Spanish. Is that a crime? 
Unusual though it was, Mr. Santander's trip did not shock his constituents. His Nicaraguan odyssey was part of a year-long effort to infuse local politics with international issues and to transform Burlington, a once sleepy college town on the shores of Lake Champlain, into a haven for left-wing activism in the twilight of the Cold War. Oh, the Cold War. A New York Times review of Mr. Sanders' mayoral papers, including hundreds of speeches, handwritten notes, letters, political pamphlets, and domestic and foreign newspaper clippings from a period spanning nearly a decade, revealed that from his earliest days in office, Mr. Sanders aimed to execute his own foreign policy, repudiating Mr. Reagan's approach of aggressively backing anti-communist governments and resistant forces while going further than many Democrats in supporting socialist leaders. So right there, the New York Times spent all its time, all its resources in going through Bernie Sanders' old like notes and paperwork as a mayor, essentially to try and paint him as not, yeah, America, yeah, America first. That's what this is. They're trying to paint him with a not-so-subtle brush as supporting communists and socialist uprisings that are opposite of the patriots here in America. And the New York Times and all these establishment idiots in the corporate media, in Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's uh, little establishment army, they basically try and like make it like socialism and communism. It's all the same. They're all commies. This is what this news article news article is about. It's like the amount of time they spent going through Bernie Sanders' old notes while he was Burlington mayor, basically having sympathy for the people of Nicaragua, who, like the people of Iran, like the people of Cuba, like the people of El, uh, El Salvador, like the people of many other countries that the United States policies and corruption and military industrial complex have hurt. God forbid Bernie Sanders had some sympathy for a, 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 a country who the United States policies has harmed. But do you see the not, it's not even subtle in this piece. I mean, let's read this sentence again. Revealed that from his earliest days in office, Mr. Sanders aimed to execute his own foreign policy, repudiating Mr. Reagan's approach of aggressively backing anti-communist governments and resistant forces while going further than many Democrats in supporting socialist leaders. So right here, repudiating Mr. Reagan, a war criminal, by the way, approach of aggressively backing anti-communist governments. Well, with that sentence, you're kind of insinuating that Bernie Sanders backed the pro-communist governments. It's McCarthyism 101. It's propaganda. It's an embarrassment to journalism. And you know what? I actually think it's a strength that Bernie Sanders went to Nicaragua. I actually think it's a strength that Bernie Sanders has a long track record of not only sympathizing, but actively trying to make connections with socialist governments and even communist governments who were not, uh, you know, we're not talking about Stalin communism, but with governments that had basically the same issues we're having in America. But worse, where workers were being displaced, where, where, where workers were being starved, where, you know, the means of production 
whether it be farming, whether it be mining, whether it be labor, were basically being hijacked by corporate interests and the workers were getting crumbs. Where people were going, were starving. Where as a result, crime. God, God forbid Bernie Sanders went to sympathize with those people or to learn more about those communities. I wish more politicians or mayors would go do that. Go to Venezuela right now, see the truth. Go to Colombia, where the United States, because Colombia is for our business ties, there's a lot of gold and copper being mined there, and the United States wants some of that gold and copper. The United States looked the other way as the brutal maniac leader of Colombia, Ben Norton, has done some great reporting from there. Just executes labor leaders, executes social movement leaders uh, opposing the brutality of the Colombian government. The United States looks the other way. But we care about the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. Well, Venezuela is blocking us from their oil. So, yeah, we care very much about that, that humanitarian crisis. Not so much about the Colombian crisis. Or, let's say, you know, we love Brazil, who has a, a maniac, homophobic leader. Because he's good for our business interests. Same thing goes with Saudi Arabia. God forbid Bernie Sanders supported socialist governments. I'll read you a little bit more. I can't stomach much more. Mr. Sanders' activities during his mayor, mayoral, mayoralty brings, bring into relief the fervently anti-imperialist worldview that continues to guide him. They also underscore, underscore his combative ideological persona, which is royal national, national democratic politics as thoroughly as it has upended municipal government in Burlington. As a mayor, Mr. Sanders denounced decades of American foreign policy that he portrayed as guided by corporate greed and outlined a vision of international affairs defined by disgust and military spending and sympathy for Marxist-inspired movements in the developing world. Oh my God, why don't you just put a, com put a commie stamp on his forehead and call it a day, the New York Times. Now, as he competes for the Democratic presidential nomination, Mr. Sanders' profound skepticism of American power appears to set him apart from other major candidates who have pledged to restore the country's traditionally assertive global role. Mr. Sanders' signature foreign policy issue so far has been his opposition to American support for Saudi Arabia's brutal war in Yemen. Let me just, if I had a, Mac, a, high, a whiteout, I would just say, instead of brutal war, Saudi Arabia's genocide in Yemen. We'll wipe that out in post-production of this live stream, even though it's not a live stream. Uh, brutal war in Yemen, which has inflicted vast civilian suffering, and he has resisted endorsing regime change in Venezuela, where the Trump administration has been pressuring Nicolas Maduro, a leftist dictator, to leave power. Oh, my God, the propaganda. Uh, did, did, did the New York Times forget, like, is it not in the Associated Press, like, you know, the AP style guideline, when you're writing of a world leader to actually put in his title? It's pressuring Nicolas Maduro, a leftist dictator, to leave power. Whether you like it or not, he's the president of Venezuela. But the New York Times is, of course, an arm of the CIA and the deep state, which, yes, is a deep state. Mr. Sanders' deep-rooted foreign policy values have the potential to not only earn him support from voters who have grown tired of overseas wars, but also make him vulnerable to attack from rivals in both parties who are eager to depict him as too radical for the presidency. This right here, I just want to give you the behind-the-scenes of corporate media. This right here 
is the corporate media and the New York Times way of giving its own opinion without actually having it be formally its own opinion. So the New York Times, what they're doing here is saying Bernie Sanders is too radical for the presidency, but they're not quoting anybody saying it so that they could give their own opinion. They say, well, it could earn him support from voters who have grown tired of overseas wars, but also make him vulnerable to attacks from rivals, a.k.a. the New York Times. And this is where they give their own opinion, clouded as just a hypothesis. It could make him vulnerable to attacks from rivals in both parties who are eager to depict him as too radical for the presidency. This is how corporate media works. This is their own opinion hidden in it could make him more vulnerable to attacks from rivals like us. Mr. Sanders declined an interview for this article, which he should have because it's not a news story. It is propaganda. And don't want to brag, don't want to brag, but pretty happy to report to you, Jane Sanders agrees. And this is what Jane Sanders said in response to my tweet. I tweeted out, just like I, just like I warned status quo viewers, this is now the second propaganda piece by corporate media trying to stoke McCarthyism against Bernie Sanders. Its goal is for the headline to spook readers into thinking Sanders admires communism. And knowing, uh, it, oh, oh, it gets cut off. And knowing that most people just read the headline. So Jane Sanders responded to my tweet. Thank you, Mrs. Sanders, potentially the first lady. Along with false foreign policy impression, they imply he paid no attention to municipal matters in Burlington. Hmm. He doubled voter turnout in Burlington, Vermont, won by increasing margins four, four times and was named one of the best 20 mayors in America by that radical publication, U.S. News and World Report, exclamation point. I wish I had a buzzer or something to cheer Jane Sanders. I mean, I really hope Bernie's campaign, I know what they're doing and they're really focused on, you know, each week trying to put out a new policy. Just today, he put out a policy that as president, he would basically outlaw for-profit charter schools, which I'm in agreement with. And <laughs> Bernie Sanders, you you think they're against him now? You wait till Betsy Davos gets, his, gets her hand on him. Her hands on him. Well, not literally. You wait till all the private foundations for the, for, the, for the people that are helping the people that are invested heavily in these charter schools. Oh, Bernie's going after the charter schools and big pharma. God, I, that's, that's risky business, but why not? It's true. I mean, I don't have the time to get fully into charter schools, but most of them are scams. Most of them are not to, to help lift you know, the vulnerable and the impoverished out of poverty and give them an education they wouldn't normally get. No, they're not. When there's profit involved with like in healthcare and education, there's greed and false motives and ulterior motives. But as Jane Sanders said, I mean, I hope Bernie's campaign comes out and starts going at the New York Times and others. Cause th I told you in the first place a few weeks ago, you just wait. You just wait for them to, you know, drape this growing McCarthyism around Bernie Sanders because that's their best bet. I mean, the truth is, if Bernie Sanders is going to win this nomination, he can't just do it with his existing base of progressives. He has to expand the black vote, which he did not do great in 2016. I'm just keeping it real. 
he did better among he did win uh, millennial black voters, but he needs to do better with older black voters. And he also needs to do better just period with older voters, uh, 50 plus, which gravitated to Hillary Clinton. And in most of the polls, even though they're oversampling uh, older voters and undersampling younger voters, which we've reported on extensively here uh, in the sampling of older voters, older voters are going to Joe Biden right now. Bernie Sanders threatens the New York Times investors' interests. Bernie Sanders threatens the New York Times readership, who a lot of the New York Times readership is wealthier people. So, and the New York Times is run by people that live in an ivory tower, New York and DC bubble. They don't like Bernie, oh, radical. I saw this clip on MSNBC and it just delighted me. So I'm gonna play it for you real quick and then we'll talk. I should set this up first. Uh, Chris Hardball Matthews did a town hall in Pennsylvania in a, in, a town, in a town that previously voted for Obama twice and in 2016 uh, overwhelmingly voted for Trump uh, at the A. Rifkin Company. I don't know what that is, but basically like a union blue collar Pennsylvania city. So he's there at, at, at Hardball with Tom Perez, uh, you know, that progressive head of the DNC, uh, talking to the peeps, talking to the peeps. So here we go. I want to play the clip. And there's a point to all this madness. Why should they trust the Democrats rather than Trump to deal with that situation if they want to deal with it? Well, listen, Chris, what we have known for decades is that if you want to solve immigration challenges, you have to do so in a bipartisan way. Ronald Reagan did it. Bill Clinton did it. Barack Obama and the Republicans yeah, in the United States Senate did okay. it together. And the challenge here is we have a president who doesn't want to solve the problem. It is a wedge issue okay. for him. Okay. And he's using it to divide. And, and, and in so doing, Chris, he's making us less safe. When you divert um, okay. TSA agents from airports to the border, you know where the 9-11 folks came in? They came in through the airport. <laughs> Okay. We, when you insult your allies, it makes it harder okay. to solve the problem. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman. Sir, you went back to your question about, about the job situation. So you got that. Tom Perez talking immigration and things like that. Well, this guy really won the night. Coming up next. This gentleman talk about San Francisco Democrats. I've heard this gentleman talk about getting involved in Mueller. It's just gimmicks. We're getting involved in gimmicks. This is what happened in 2016, was gimmicks. He came in, the Democrats, I'm a Democrat, I'm a lifelong Democrat, my grandfather was a Democrat. They came in and sold us something in the Republican Party thinking that they were for us. Hey, Democrats, Mr. Perez, the candidates gotta come here. They have to talk about workers' rights. Right to work is a huge issue in Pennsylvania. We can't have candidates that are only concerned with social issues. A social issue for me is the ability to go out and provide for my family. With justices now on the Supreme Court, that because of the gimmicks that was used to get conservative nominees, Janice went through. I, as a union member, don't have as many rights now. I could have someone come in, and no offense, Mr. Matthews, you could come into my hall. If, the, if right to work goes through federally, you can come in and be an electrician. 
I don't want to be a TV host. I, I don't think you'd want, you'd want me running your you show. You can learn it faster than being an electrician. We're going to go. I'm going to have Vito respond to you. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. Vito. Uh, the way that, I, that I've seen this is, uh, you know. Oh, God, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. First of all, I love how he just, Tom Perez sitting there, his face like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm taking notes here. So first of all, he said, uh, no, no disrespect, Mr. Perez, but like, enough with the Russia. Did you hear that? Gimmick. And the social issues, gimmick. Some social issues I think are important, very important uh, for candidates to talk about, like this Alabama abortion, whatever you want to call it. It's, 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 it's an attack on women. And frankly, all Americans. Uh, this Alabama abortion bill. And now Missouri has swept in in the middle of the night and proposed uh, a ban, I think, at eight weeks. Uh, I might have that wrong. So you have a, a blue-collar worker saying, uh, first of all, the Democratic Party, you need to come here and not just pontificate about nonsense. Uh, you need to come here and talk about our issues that we care about. When's the last time you heard Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, who pretends to be for the unions, have you heard them talking about right to work? Have you heard them saying we need to stop offshoring the jobs? Of course not, because they were, they're all pro-NAFTA. They're all pro these corporate written trade deals that offshore all jobs. They're all complicit. So, you know, you have a blue collar guy here saying, you know, Trump swept in and he spoke our language. He conned us, but he spoke our language. While Hillary Clinton and the Democrats were talking about stronger together and expanding Obama's legacy. Bernie Sanders was talking about, uh, in 2016, was talking very strongly about strengthening unions. He was talking against the trade deals that decimated those communities in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, Ohio. And it's just amazing because Tom Perez, again, sitting there, and I think immigration is an important issue, but Tom Perez and the Democratic Party still are not talking about those bread table core issues that matter to that guy, a union guy in Pennsylvania. Joe Biden is not. He's out there pretending that he's Union Joe and all these things. Does he think that Trump wouldn't just decimate him on the fact that he was for NAFTA? The fact that he pushed the bankruptcy bill, which hurt those communities, the fact that he wrote the crime bill, the fact that he uh, voted for the repeal of Glass-Steagall, which also hurt those communities with the housing crash in 2008. It's not the 1990s anymore. There's the Internet, there's social media, and you cannot run from your record. It's going to come out. The corporate media is going to try to dress it up and cover it up. But these people in Pennsylvania and those communities, they're going to figure out that you are not middle class Joe that you are not Union Man Joe, that it's all a facade, it's all bogus. And I think what this guy was trying to say to Tom Perez, because the Democratic Party, because they are in bed with the corporations, with Big Pharma, with fossil fuel companies, with Silicon Valley, with the big banks, the Democratic Party has been pushing this Cold War hysteria, which that gentleman so aptly just said, enough with the gimmicks. Enough with the gimmicks. And if you haven't liked this live stream, non-live stream, press the like button. 
And Tom Perez was looking like, you know, like a dog who just wants his bone. Tom Perez knows Russia is, is a distraction. But Tom Perez, fundraising emails and this and that, it's all Trump is evil. This terrible thing Trump is doing. This terrible thing Trump do, is doing. It's the same exact playbook that Hillary Clinton and the DNC and the Democratic Party did in 2016. There's nothing. I mean, I will say, even though I don't like her as a candidate, at least Kamala Harris is on the campaign trail talking about some issues, like uh, her thing to raise teacher pay and all this. I don't think she'd actually follow through with any of it because she, all her donors and her whole apparatus, her campaign, top pe- her top people in her campaign all worked for Hillary Clinton or the DNC in 2016. They've just basically shifted over to Hillary 2.0. That's Kamala Harris's campaign. But Joe Biden isn't really talking about issues on the campaign trail. He's knocking Trump. Bernie Sanders is talking about issues that matter to those communities while going after Trump. You have to do both. But Bernie Sanders has the credibility to go after Trump because Bernie Sanders did not vote for NAFTA. Bernie Sanders didn't vote for these things that have decimated those communities. And Bernie Sanders' focus is on those communities, working people. And what's also funny is Chris Matthews and MSNBC going in and giving that guy a platform. Because like the Democratic Party, MSNBC has totally, totally, I mean, long ago with Keith Olbermann back in the day, maybe, they, they had some progressive bona fides. I liked Keith Olbermann back in the day railing against George W. Bush. That's when I was first coming up in politics. But MSNBC has been, if you want to call Russiagate a gimmick, I call it worse than that. MSNBC has been the captain, the lieutenant, the commander of Russiagate. When's the last time you heard MSNBC, MSNBC covering the threat of, of right to work or unions under attack? They're too busy talking about the Russian boogeyman or propping up Trump's administration to overthrow the Venezuelan government. Or, you know, basically painting Julian Assange as a hacker. And they're not defending Julian Assange. They basically are ignoring the gross injustice there. And I'm sure they're barely covering, if you don't know, Chelsea Manning is back in jail because she continues to refuse to testify in this show trial, trying to put Julian Assange in prison for the rest of his life in solitary confinement, which is what they're trying to do. And Tom Perez is sitting there. Oh, yes, I know your struggle. Oh, work, right, right to work? Terrible. Oh, yeah, we need to strengthen the unions. Wink, wink, as I set up fundraisers with hedge fund managers and fossil fuel executives and real estate developers and all the people that are trying to erase unions and that guy and what he cares about. It's so void of integrity and honesty, this Tom Perez and the DNC. They don't care about those communities. They don't, they might know the language of those communities, but they don't care to talk that language because they are still in bed with big money. And the worst part is Trump doesn't care about those communities either. He conned them. He is actively helping to further cripple those communities. Do you see if you live in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, any of these factories coming back? Hell no. 